0: when it's time for adventure. It's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. This time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. (laughs) He's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius.
1: Let me tell you something. I can't
0: ski. But then he falls ah! Ah! for a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. Well,
1: what would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do.
0: A machine so powerful
1: Baby, it's Daddy!
0: it can control the Earth.
1: <laughs> no. Now, getting down to business.
0: Change the weather. You now, something? You're a genius. And reprogram Superman.
1: But you never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore.
0: <laughs> he didn't die. I asked you to kill Superman, and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing.
1: Ah. All right, Webster, the game's over.
0: But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman...
1: Oh, uh, see. I'm not with them, Superman. You're
0: gonna fool me, mister. ...can pull the plug on Super Machine. You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Um no. Thank you, brother. Superman 3. Watch the trees. This time is going to be the best time of all.
2: This podcast is sponsored in
3: part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly... Zach Arnold, and by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC, 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 IPC,
0: IPC,
2: IPC,
3: IPC, IPC. I-P-C.
2: The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast.
3: All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. We are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com. Yes, this is episode number 273, and we have a an episode for you guys tonight. I don't know what to expect from this one, guys. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is... I am a changed man. I have been traumatized. We've (laughs) both been through a traumatic experience. (laughs) And uh, And I I
2: just remind (laughs) you that this was your idea.
3: Yes, it was my idea. This is completely (laughs) 100% my fault. But you agree to it, all right? You agree to it. There have been plenty of movies
2: that you agree to on my behalf as well. I see this as returning the favor.
3: Yeah, yeah but this is totally I hope you can payback.
2: reimburse me for my $3.27 that I paid for on Amazon for this because, oh my gosh, I'm never getting that money or my time back again.
3: Oh my god, yeah. So, uh, guys, we saw a movie this week. Um, we saw... <laughs> I don't even know if you can call it a movie, actually. It's
2: not a movie. It's a glorified drinking game.
3: (laughs) I'm telling you, it's uh, it's a doozy. Superman (laughs) 3, from 1983, is... It's a movie. I'm not going to say if it was good or bad. They made it! (laughs) It's a movie that has been made, it exists, and we, for some stupid reason... We watched it, and we're going to talk about it tonight, and it's going to be fun? Question mark? I don't know. Oh, but, uh, it's dangerous that my mini bar is within arm's reach, dude. I'm just saying. I know, I know. But uh, before we get into it, of course, introductions for the two crazy people you're hearing right now. My name is Ben, and joining me, you've been hearing him already, is my good buddy, Zach Arnold.
2: But dude, okay— I just I just got to put this out there. I have seen some bad movies in my time.
3: You you've introduced me to bad movies. So I have introduced
2: is, you yeah. to bad movies. This is the earliest mention of zombies we've ever made on a podcast. <laughs> it's
3: true. Zombies is still a better movie than Superman 3. I would agree with that. I would absolutely <laughs> agree with that. I can a- enjoy zombies for how bad it is. I couldn't enjoy this one. This is, and apparently Superman four is worse. I don't see how, I don't see how the hell anything could be better than, or worse than this. Dear God. Oh my God. I don't even know what to think.
2: I don't even know. Cause at least zombies, it has a predictable plot, but it's an enjoyable plot. This movie sometimes felt like it had no plot. I, it was like, uh, like "What oh, plot? We'll just, we'll just figure it out and we'll make stuff up as we go along, and and uh, Superman will be in it, and and these people will be in it, and and things will happen, and and he'll use his X-ray vision to see the kid's got a broken leg, and it'll be cool because we get to use the CGI graphics to make it look like X-ray vision, and people will be awe inspired by it." And they'll they'll love this movie. It'll be great. It'll be great.
3: I, it just just trust me. It'll be great. That's what just kills me is about any movie that's bad, especially this movie, which is po- possibly one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. The fact that people made this and they were yeah. proud of it, like they watched yes. it and went, "Okay, people are gonna love this. This was great." They looked at this and said,
2: "Yeah, let's put this in several." dozen, couple hundred movie theaters nationwide, and see if people go watch it. And, damn it, they did! This movie made 80 million dollars in the box office, which for 1983
3: is not that bad. Wow, wow. Jeez. That's that's sad. <laughs> no like, wonder they made four. Yeah,
2: really. Really. Uh, I'm gonna just do a quick Google search. Uh... Inflation rate 1983 Mm -hmm. Holy Crap Holy crap 80 million dollars In 1983 Adjusted for inflation Counts as 207 Million in 2020 Wow This movie made 207 million 1983
3: dollars that is insane.
2: This just... this just...
3: Blah. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. The... I don't know. I don't know what oh. to say at this point. How? How? <laughs> it's so bad. How? Okay.
2: For... For argument's sake, I have watched some pretty bad movies with the guys over at Phantom Empire slash Star Wars Wastelands. And at the time when we watched it, it was called the Phantom Fraternity. And at one point, we watched all of the Batman films, all the 80s Batman films, including, like, Batman and Robin. And uh, what what's the other one? Not Batman Returns, but the other bad Batman uh, movie.
3: Batman uh, Beyond, not Beyond, it's... I don't know. They they're, got all the different ones. I think like, it is. I think it is beyond. Actually, maybe it no, is. Not, no, it's not beyond. Because Bat- uh, Beyond is the the animated series. Uh, Batman Forever, Forever. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one with George Clooney, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, that's the Val Kilmer one. George Clooney is Batman and Robin.
3: See, that's another franchise we have to tackle. <laughs> We've gotten we if we've survived this movie, we can survive anything.
2: Yes, we. uh, Okay, I will do it for you. Okay, (laughs) if you really want to subjugate yourself to the Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Batman, and the George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone, Batman and Robin, I will. I will do that but that will probably be the last time on earth that I ever do it.
3: Well, I I am empowered after this one. I feel like I'm I'm a man of steel myself after oh my seeing this movie. I'm looking at the the box office, domestic box office for 1983 and Superman 3 placed 11th at the domestic box office. This is of course 1983, I didn't even realize, like, it's an amazing, was a great year. amazing year for movies. You've got, you know, Return of the Jedi out top, Tootsie, Flashdance, Trading Places, Octopussy, Mr. Mom, Vacation, and number 10. But then Superman 3 managed to beat out Never Say Never Again, Jaws 3D, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, The Big Chill. It, the list goes wait, on and on. Wait, it beat out E.T.? Yes, it it E.T. is 16 at the domestic box office. It beat out E.T. at the domestic. Insanity.
2: This movie beat out E.T. at the domestic. <laughs> How?
3: I don't know. I uh, People, what were y'all smoking back in the 80s? Oh my God. Okay,
2: can we talk about something happy before I get drunk on this podcast?
3: Yes, let's let's talk about a little piece of news that dropped today this today. morning. As of recording this this morning, we woke up to something that was will hopefully be something really great. It looks really great. or it's, uh, this clip is already way better than Superman 3. Um, so <laughs> we got a this
2: 45 second clip that dropped on Twitter is better than the 125 minutes I forced myself to watch yesterday.
3: So, we got this Stranger Things 4 teaser, and it says, From Russia with Love. And you see it, and of course, it's as you expect from Russia. It's snow, it's, you know, kind of hellish. And, uh, sure enough, we close in on someone who seems to be a prisoner working on a railroad in Russia... And wouldn't you know it, it's Jim Harper. He's frickin' alive.
2: Called it!
3: Oh my gosh. He's back. Guess
2: who's back? Back again. (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. There was so much talk trying to figure out if he was alive, if they were talking about somebody else. Like, that was the source of conversation for a solid, like, five or six months. It was the source of memes all over the place. People were literally, like, learning Russian so that they could translate the (laughs) phrases and stuff that you were hearing in the background. Like, they were trying to get everything they possibly could in order to to solve this mystery. And then they just drop it for us. Like, just like it's nothing. Like, I am... I'm super excited. I I knew that you weren't going to be able to keep hop down for very long. I just I knew that that was an an inevitability. You can't kill off a super important character like that, not that quickly.
3: And but... also just killing him off as he was an asshole <laughs> yeah giving him a chance he's got a chance for redemption now because uh he was not a fun guy to be around in season three
2: but that was part of his charm i feel like (laughs) like even even with the not being such a great guy to be around there was a ton of un uh not unanswered but just unaddressed tension between him and joyce oh yeah like, I, I get it. All of that shared trauma you've experienced together, you're bound to have that kind of a bond, that kind of a connection, and want to, like, share that with each other because nobody else can really relate to it. I get it. But I think the thing that killed me was the post that you made on Facebook, like, almost immediately after you saw the video. And I'm like, okay. This is headcanon now.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know you you have uh, the whole thing with the Black Widow trailer mm-hmm. and the fact that David Harbour, of course, is in the Black Widow movie playing a guy named Alexei, who is a essentially the Russian Captain America. That that seems to be too a little too coincidental for my taste because I think and my theory remains that uh, you know he went to Russia, he died, quote unquote, but he didn't. Went to Russia, ended up, you know, na- renaming himself after an old friend from Stranger Things, and uh, eventually became the Red Guardian. And voila, Stranger Things is in the MCU. It's confirmed. This just this just adds more fuel to the fire.
2: I like I said, am making it headcanon because he had a really great connection with Alexi. His name in Black Widow is Alexi. He's literally working on a railroad in Russia and could end up just staying there. Or we don't know how long he's been there. That's the other thing is he he could have been there for several years and been yeah. able to go on adventures with Natasha Romanoff and then end up back at the compound. Or maybe he's been brainwashed and he ends up back there or something. Like, who knows? But... I love that David Harbour is getting this kind of attention and notoriety and opportunities. I don't really think Hellboy was very well received, but I think having him in the MCU and having him back for more Stranger Things, it keeps his name out there in pop culture and in news, and I'm just I'm glad to have Hopper back, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do with his story in this next season.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think just it opens up a lot of possibilities, and you know, like... How long has he been there? What's he been doing? Like, how did he get there for crying out loud? Like, so many questions. And, you know, my theory and, and my real theory is that he just went into the, the upside down and eventually ended up in Russia and then probably got himself captured and here we are. Um, but that's going to be hella emotional when uh, he gets back to eleven. And gets back to all eventually, hopefully, um, because that was freaking emotional when that he read that letter and at the end and, you know, we, we thought we were saying goodbye to him. I, I'm glad it wasn't true. Well, here's part of what I can't help but wonder is was it their
2: intention to bring him back or did they end up bringing him back after fan uproar?
3: Yeah, I would be curious to know if that was the... Well, I mean, they do have that post credit scene where they're going, Oh, go get the... Not the American. I think yeah, that may be... I think that may be your clue that they were always planning this. But at the same time, it ain't ought have been.
2: I... Who knows? I really... I don't know. I... The fact is he's back. The the point... Oh, the main... The main point is he is Back. And I'm very, very excited to have him back. He's probably one of my favorite characters on the show, and probably one of my favorite TV characters in general. You know how there's, like, certain TV characters that you end up kind of relating to the longer you watch the program? Like, Uh for me, I found myself relating to Chandler Bing from Friends, Nick Miller from New Girl, Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. Um, But... Now I'm kind of seeing myself as a possible Jim Hopper when I get older.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
2: totally get you. Minus minus the minus the smoking, uh having asthma would kind of keep me from doing that, but I, I could kind of see myself developing into a Hopper type of grumpy but loving kind of provider dad person one of these days. And it's it's funny to relate to somebody like that in a in a drama like this and uh i'll I'll tell you another thing the first two or three seasons of the show i saw myself relating a lot and and potentially ending up like mike baxter from last man standing (laughs) that show has really gone off the rails now but the first few seasons were pretty funny
3: (laughs) wow interesting
2: Uh, i'm kind of tangenting just a little bit here but
3: no problem this is hopper, this is one hopper. big tangent
2: it's going to be one it's going to be an even bigger tangent when we get into this movie let's be honest
3: well okay you you, you talked about it well, let's get into it oh, um, do we have to yes we have to the sooner we get to it the sooner we can get it over with all right uh, so uh, let's let's go ahead and do this superman 3 we saw it as and for those who don't know you know this is a film from 1983 stars Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor, which seems kind of genius on the on the surface level, but also when I heard about this movie the f- first time, I'm like, Richard Pryor in a Superman movie? What? And then you have the poster, the iconic poster art of him carrying Richard Pryor in the air, and it's yeah. just ridiculous. And I think it perfectly represents the absolute just insanity that ensues this movie. And the thing that sold it for me is like, the opening scene. The opening scene is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It is awful. Like, it's so bad, and it's like, it's everything I disliked about Superman 2 just amped up into just like... Uh. And the, the the title sequence is just on the street. Like, it just it just comes up over these things, and it's all this just madness happening on screen, and all of these people, like... You know, falling into holes, and you know, a blind guy losing his dog. Then he gets a, a a pavement thing, and he's following that around, and it's just madness. And then Clark Kent just shows up, and he doesn't do anything. He's just like, "Oh, okay, this is kind of weird." He's Superman, but he doesn't care because this just insanity. And then it doesn't stop for another two hours.
2: No, it really doesn't. Like the the that that first title card sequence, really just kind of. Mm, epitomizes or encapsulates the craziness that is this, um, this movie. Because, number one, I really did not like the title cards where it's just showing up in the pavement. Oh,
3: they're, they're awful. They're, they're
2: bad. Like, it's cheesy, it's cheap, it's gimmicky, it's bad. And for another thing, that kind of parodic comedy... On people with disabilities would not fly over in today's society.
3: Ooh, yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that it might not. uh, It might did, not. Get...
2: That did not age well at all. the The thought of a of a service dog running off and the guy ends up getting walked around by a pavement painter, and he's just like Rex, 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 and he's like possibly bumping into different stuff and then like coming really, really close to like falling into a giant hole and stuff and then, like, has to step on somebody's head. Like, that's the kind of thing that you see in a musical. I saw that on My Fair Lady once. There was a construction site and the guy, like, stepped on a wooden plank that, like, bumped into somebody's head. Like, that's the kind of crap that you see in a in a, in a a really gimmicky, over-the-top, not very well choreographed musical. But not in a Superman movie. Are you kidding me? Like... None of that made sense. Also, what was the science behind—I'm going to be asking what was the science behind a lot tonight, by Mm -hmm. the way. But what was the the science behind running over a fire hydrant and all of a sudden your car is getting flooded? Like, what the hell? Who came up with that idea?
3: Yeah, I guess it's like, okay, well, it it must have punctured the bottom of the car, but now the car is apparently, like, airtight. Yes! (laughs) Exactly! And then, like, nobody's doing anything— And then they're all
2: they're like this huge crowd of like 10, 15 people is just like watching this man turning into a human aquarium. And they're like, oh, no. And then one person's grabbing at the car door and he breaks the handle off. But nobody thinks to like grab a pipe or a brick and like bash in the window or something like nobody looks at the sunroof and goes, oh, hey, maybe we can do something. Like, they're all just sitting there going, uh, and then
3: I feel, I feel so bad for, like, Christopher Reeve, because, like, he has to perform this scene, and he goes up there, and you can tell, like, he just jumps on top of the car, and then there's, like, clearly, like, a breakaway, like, sunroof on this car. Like, he could have just gone to the car, like, gone to the side of the car and just punched the window, and all the water would have come out. But no, he goes to the top of the car, and he struggles to get the sunroof off. Superman struggles to get a sunroof off a car. Are you kidding me?
2: That's the part that you're critiquing about this movie?
3: I'm critiquing everything.
2: We're in for a long night if you're critiquing Superman
3: struggling to pull a sunroof off of a car. I just, certain things just, oh my god. I'm just like, this is actually happening.
2: Okay, can we also talk about how they literally gave Lois Lane like five minutes of screen time?
3: I I I almost like envy Margot Kidder because I'm like she she because she's the smart one. She's like I'm out, I'm out, I'm not even I'm I'm here. Hey, how's it going? I'm here to get my paycheck. I'm gone. Y'all ain't gonna see me for the rest of the movie until until the end. Like well, she's I the mean, smart one.
2: Richard Pryor was smart too. Let's be honest. Even though he had a bigger role in this movie, he got paid big bucks
3: for it. And he's probably one of the few redeeming qualities about this movie. Because that. Because he's Richard Pryor, and he's funny, and he's brilliant, and he, I don't know, without him, this truly would have been just a, you know, it, it, it really unwatchable. And it's already unwatchable. I don't even know what I'm saying. I was about to say, it's already pretty unwatchable, but I read in
2: the IMDb trivia that uh, the only reason he agreed to it, he didn't like the screenplay that he read, he didn't like the the character that he was playing he He really didn't he really didn't seem to enjoy the role that he had of of Gus Gorman, but what he enjoyed was the paycheck. Ah. The man got paid almost thirteen per cent of the entire movie's budget to be in this movie.
3: Wow, man. The budget yeah. was
2: the budget for the entire film was 39 million. Pryor got paid 5 million out of that. It's just, just to be in this movie.
3: It's almost a tragedy to think about like you're talking about Richard Pryor and Christopher Reeve, two legendary people. Like Christopher Reeve as Superman, just fantastic. Richard Pryor, legendary comic and actor. And you put them in a movie together, and uh, just awful. And neither one of them is around anymore. We we've lost both of them. This, this world is unfair.
2: Yep. There, there's a lot about this movie that's not fair, though.
3: <laughs> but is this is this the like, worst? Go ahead.
2: Is it is it the worst? What is it the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh hell no. <laughs> not no not not by a long shot, dude. No. Um, I would say. Oh man, the worst, the worst movie I've ever seen. I really did not like Batman. Uh, what was it, Batman Beyond?
3: Um, no, you're you're talking about Batman, right... Batman Forever. Batman Forever.
2: Batman Forever was terrible. Um, shoot, what's another really bad movie that I've watched recently? Um, Jurassic Galaxy. That was a bad movie. Say what now? Jurassic <laughs> <Galaxy>. <laughs> yeah, it's basically zombies. Meets uh Jurassic World meets Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my god. <laughs> it is what it sounds like. These space travelers get stranded on a prehistoric planet and they have to fight off velociraptors that are painted with Microsoft Paint. <laughs> it was, it was it was absolutely that sounds terrible. Sounds
3: amazing.
2: It was absolutely terrible. Jurassic Galaxy was pretty bad. Um But, yeah, I mean, zombies is obviously pretty bad. But I think the difference between them is... uh, Some of them are intentionally bad. Like, they are made to be bad. They are supposed to be bad. This movie, they were trying. Yeah. Like, they were genuinely trying. And it still came out bad.
3: You tried and you failed. There was an effort... But you done goofed, and I, I just, I, I don't know where they were going with this. And, and this is Richard Lester who did Superman Two, you know, who finished Superman Two, I should say, who, from what I've heard, kind of added more of the ridiculous elements from uh, Superman Two, you know, in that movie, you know, whereas Richard Donner was think was trying to take it a little more seriously, and. You know, I think he got his way here because it, it's just ridiculous. It is, it is intentionally ridiculous. It's out of this world just, like, every moment. And, like, I honestly, I think there is some redeeming qualities. Like, I like Lana. I do. I like her as a love interest for Clark. Um, I like her better than, than Lois, to be honest. Um, It's still... Weird and cringy and not very yep. good, but yep. like I like the actress, and you know I, I think like in a better movie it would have gone over really well, but it it isn't so whatever.
2: Well, but, I, I think what I liked about that dynamic was a, was a couple of different things. If if we're gonna go down this this rabbit hole with this relationship, uh, in the in the late seventies early eighties, it was really kind of scandalous to have a movie about a single mother.
3: Right.
2: That that really wasn't something that got explored very often. That was that was kind of groundbreaking. That really wasn't something that was supposed to happen. And from what I understand, the um comics writers had to scramble when the announcement was made that Lana was a single mom in the movie. They had to like write the comics in such a way that explained it away before the movie released so that it would make sense. Hmm.
4: Okay. Like
2: they were they they were really scrambling to try and make it work but i think it did work because not only was she constantly turning down people uh one one rambunctious person in particular but not only was she turning down the people of smallville but she was also working to take care of her son and clark made a pretty decent father figure
3: yeah. like he was a good influence on on what's his name ricky Ricky yeah little Ricky which which was like oh am I watching I love Lucy or something yes that's exactly what I was thinking little
2: Ricky from I love Lucy oh my gosh Desi Arnaz Jr um but you know he was a good he was he was a good influence on Ricky and I uh, you know ended up saving Ricky from the, the the tractor which oh my god I had to drink during that scene I was like Oh, it's I so will bad. give
3: I will give them credit for that scene. I actually don't think that scene's that bad. I think oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's uh I don't know, it turns uh it, it turns almost into a horror movie, you know, taking uh farm equipment, but uh
2: But they weren't with like malicious intent. It would have been an accident. Like you had to have this really unfortunate extreme set of circumstances for all of that to line up they just happened to decide to go on a picnic that day. (laughs) It just happened to be kind of weird, nasty weather. It just happened to be in a field where they've decided that they are going to be harvesting the crops on that particular day. You would have thought that all of the people doing stuff on that plot of land and the the farming equipment on the other side of the property might have tipped you off to not have a picnic over there. And then the series of unfortunate events continues where Ricky goes running off with his dog and just happens to slip and fall and knock himself unconscious.
3: The one giant rock in the field he slips and falls
2: is the one that Ricky just happens to bonk his conk on. (laughs)
3: So, oh, they, they go so they have to do so many things to get what they want from the characters. Like, it's not just like, oh, this is natural, it makes sense. It's like, no, 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 we have to go through all these things of like, you know, the kid disappears and then he's just suddenly unconscious and the dog comes back. And like, how far did Superman how to fly? He can fly at the speed of sound, yet Ricky was supposed to just wander off a few feet, but he had to fly so far and so long to get to him.
2: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Okay, if we're talking about having to go a really long way to get somewhere, what about Gus's character, where oh, he starts God. out as a chronically unemployed ne'er do well, according to Wikipedia, and somehow finds out through by completely by accident that he's a computer whiz, and that leads to him embezzling the company that he works for. And then that embezzling leads to a career with the big boss and that career is basically computer hacking in order to further the boss's capitalistic ventures.
3: It just keeps going and
2: from an unemployed bum to sending a tornado to Colombia to destroy your coffee crop. I'm not even kidding! Like, this guy is, like... That's the plot of this movie! An unemployed bum sends a tornado to Columbia to destroy his boss's rival's coffee crop.
3: Literally, the first scene is Richard Pryor going, like, to the, you know, unemployment office. He can't get hired anywhere. Like, he's struggling to get by. And then he just happens upon this job, and, oh, by the way, he's a freaking computer whiz, a computer Ah. hacker, and (laughs) now he's doing all this you know crazy stuff with computers and and Uh hacking into his own employers like it's just insane Uh, and
2: all of those half cents that the computer was just eating up somehow found its way into his lap like i think one of the other things that didn't age well was the supervisor being like computers can do a lot of things but they can't do that and then he just like does it he's like (laughs) how did you do that and i'm like yeah that's basically computers man Like, what kind of a line were you thinking of writing when it's like, computers can do a lot of things, but they can't do that?
3: Yeah, it's a really weird era of, like, you know, just on the cusp of people don't understand computers, they think they're the coolest thing, and now, like, this is just one of those movies that, like, oh, yeah, we got a computer programmer slash hacker, and he's cool, and all this kind of stuff, he can do literally anything. Like, Richard Pryor basically has superpowers.
2: Well, okay, so that is an interesting aspect. If you want to talk about a redeeming quality, I guess one of the other interesting aspects of this movie is that you're not really going up against a particular villain. The villain, in quite honest essence, the villain is technology. Right. It, it, it's almost like you're fighting the advancement of technology and its potential overthrow of the human race. Because at the end of the movie, the supercomputer is trying to, like, gain sentience. It's trying to stay alive in multiple facets. So it's almost like you're fighting technology and trying to find a way to stay alive, which I guess if they had done it a little bit differently, it might have been interesting. But, I I mean... The way that they did it instead, it just, it wasn't as captivating. It wasn't as interesting. It wasn't, it just wasn't.
3: It just wasn't. That's, that's the, 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 phrase of the night. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. They
2: tried for it to be all of these different things and it just wasn't. It's
3: sad. It's, it, I think like they, I don't know. There's so many things that could have been good but also they're just the baseline of like certain things like where were they going with this and then they went somewhere with it like my god stop what are you doing don't do that yeah like like sending him here's the
2: here's the other thing that that gets to me is that you know a big part of the plot is is clark's uh trip to smallville yeah like he has to get permission to go to his class reunion in Smallville, Kansas. And this big conglomerate guy, Ross Webster, just happens to have over a hundred different sub corporations and smaller companies. and they just happen to decide that Gus needs to uh, to to do the hacking in smallville kansas like what kind of uncharacteristic coincidence is it for the guy whose alter ego is superman just happens to be in the same town as the guy who is hacking the vulcan weather satellite from a bowling alley in smallville kansas
3: of all places to pick, Smallville—just a coincidence, just like, a coincidence. You know, no, no, uh, no other reason.
2: Like, like I get the idea of sending into a smaller, uh, a smaller venue and a smaller computer, something that's less traceable. Like, I get that; it makes sense. And I, I'm, I just, I'm trying to figure out, like. Did the writers think it was clever to send him to Smallville, to have him bump into Superman when he gets off of the of off of the plane?
3: I'm assuming or, the writers the thought this entire movie was clever. What part of it was clever? I, I don't know. Uh, they they were somebody was proud of this. Somebody looked at this and was like, "Yeah,
2: that's good. Let's run it." Yeah, that's really funny. Let's let's have him say this. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's really clever. Let's have a really rich man living in a metropolitan era, have a ski slope on top of his building.
3: Yeah, I love whatever his name is. The guy, like, he's just he's just diet Lex Luthor. Like, he's just like another guy that's you know there and and clearly like. Gene Hackman wasn't going to come back for this, so they had to get somebody else. Oh, you mean Ross Webster? Ross Webster, there you go.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list on IMDb. That's the only way I'm keeping this stuff
3: straight. I hear you. I hear you. But uh, I certainly am not retaining any of this. After tonight, I'm going to wipe this thing from my memory. Yep, yep.
2: I will say, though, I really liked Pamela Stevenson as the blonde that was working with him. Really? The one that, that she basically put on an act as a ditzy blonde, but she's actually a lot smarter than she let on.
3: Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 Like,
2: right. at one point, she's reading a, a psychology book, and then they come in and strategize about moving all of the tankers into the Atlantic Ocean. Like, move them into the central central part of the Atlantic. Which, okay... That's another issue that I've got with this movie. Like, like, OK, you have decided that you're just going to hold all of these tankers hostage by moving them to the middle of the Atlantic. And when one ship decides that it's not going to do it, you literally got the Man of Steel under your thumb. Apparently, all it takes is dressing up in scantily clad red clothing and sitting on top of the Statue of Liberty but you're able to coerce the man of steel to go out to this tanker and teach him a lesson. And rather than picking him up and moving the boat to the Atlantic, which is basically what he did with the giant chunk of ice at the chemical plant earlier. Yeah, he he's already established he can do that. He's already established that he can just pick something up, even though physics doesn't really allow for that to happen. He's already established that he can pick something like that up and just move it. But rather than pick something up and transport it to another part of the ocean, he just punches a big freaking hole in it.
3: I love how there's a portion of this movie that just Superman gets sick and he just becomes a troll. And he's just yeah. punching holes in ships and creating oil spills. He's walking up to people, and you know, like she's on the Statue of Liberty, and, and she's like, "I hope you don't expect me to save you because I don't do that anymore." <laughs> that was so bad. I don't do but that kind of. Trying thing anymore. really hard to 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 sell that he doesn't care. Like I'm not Superman anymore. And he's like,
2: uh, he's like, he's like flicking nuts in a bar and knocking over bottles of booze, and they're yeah. like. They're like, Watch out, Superman's drunk. And I'm like, um, did we forget about his high metabolism that keeps him from getting intoxicated, or is that just going out the window?
3: Yep, just forget about that completely. I think I think we're meant to believe that like he's been sitting there all day long drinking. So like...
2: what? So what? Look at the flash, like from the CW's Flash TV show. He didn't get drunk because of his super high metabolism. He, he he like basically flexes it off before he has an opportunity to get drunk like yeah superman doesn't get drunk that's part of the territory of of the of the line of work that he's in and and the the planet that he lives on like that's that's part of it
3: but i i guess we can appreciate also, that because i go ahead
2: straightening the statue of liberty not the statue uh, the line leaning tower of Pisa Exactly. He's a troll. He's, he, he straightens it up and the guy like looks at all his figurines and he's like, well, I got to get new ones now. And then later on in the movie, he like leans it back again, which also, again, physics cannot do that. If you try and get it back to its leaning position, gravity is going to take over and it is going to fall. No. Like, oh my gosh. Don't work like that. Can I, mean, I can I tell you my favorite part of the movie? Absolutely. Go for it. My favorite part of the movie was when the sports broadcaster was talking about the long and involved and grueling process of transporting the Olympic flame to the torch. Yeah. <laughs> and how majestic and glorious and, and climactic this moment is. It's a piece of history for the Olympic Games. And Superman's just sitting about a mile away, and he looks at it and he goes, "Poof," and just blows it out before he has a chance to light up the eternal flame.
3: That that scene is incredible. It is literally like, I like, what am I even watching? Exactly. Like, How is this part of the rest of the movie? It's just I... like, wait a second. What is this? I love it so much, though. It's just like, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to screw with people. Like, he's become like what anybody would with those superpowers. I'm just going to cause havoc and just annoy the hell out of people.
2: Also, the way that he ended up the way that he is with that tainted kryptonite. The tainted kryptonite only became tainted because some of the unknown chemical that Gus ended up discovering when they examined a real piece of kryptonite. He just filled in the blank and said that it was tar. <laughs> like like the stuff that you put in your cigarette. Tar. And people just looked at it and was like, okay, yeah, it's got mercury, it's got this, and it's got this. And yeah, yeah, 0.57% of it is
3: tar. I like that it actually, this whole sequence, actually sets up one of the only, like, somewhat impressive, at least from a technical level, scenes in this movie. Which is the Clark Kent versus Superman fight that happens. Which is, ironically, something that was literally just referenced in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Brandon Rouse well, Superman says, You know, this isn't the first time I've gone crazy and fought myself. He actually says that, which is a reference to this movie, which is amazing. But, oh, wow. But we get this scene, and they actually do a pretty good job with the cinematography of, like, showing, you know, obviously it's Christopher Reeve and a, you know, a stunt double right. doing this whole scene, but it's brutal. And it's basically the entire scene is just you know, uh, Superman beating the crap out of, out of uh, Clark out of him, Kent out of himself. Yeah, but uh, and it does have you know he comes back and Clark Kent you know takes over and wins. Um, and it's like it's choking it's, him, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah, he he throws him in like a a garbage compactor thing, and then he comes out, bursts out, and then he takes his glasses and he crushes them and then yeah it's it's a whole thing it goes on and on
2: but like how does how does Clark can't finally regain control doesn't he choke the man of steel
3: yeah it's like really almost an awkward scene where he's like on top of him and he's choking him oh my
2: gosh see don't get me wrong doing like self versus self is something that they have been working on for a long time, going all the way back to like the 1940s Mm -hmm. with the, with the Marx brothers, you know, they had the the iconic mirror sequence where the two brothers dressed up identically. And then they did like similar movements in order to make it look like they were looking at each other in a mirror. Uh, And then that led to something like uh, Gilligan's Island in the 1960s oh. where they would, they would cut the screen down the middle they would have you on a set and when they were editing it in the film room they would cut the film down the middle and they would have like one half of the room filmed and then the other half of the room filmed and then they would splice it together and it would have you on either end of the room so instead of two people looking identical it was the same two people just spliced and then edited back together like this is something that has been in the works for decades and then finally kind of comes to life here in this movie in 1983 and then it leads to you know the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory scene where the the anytime you see an Oompa Loompa it's the same person replicated with CGI yeah you know yeah. It, it like like all of this has been like in the works leading up to the idea of replicating one person and having them appear in different parts of a scene or a screen using you know stunt doubles and technology so it's it's part of that groundbreaking uh cinematography that has gone from the 40s till now but it doesn't save this movie
3: <laughs> no like like you said they maybe not perfected, but they mastered the technology to, you know, be able to do those kind of shots where it was just a stagnant. I wouldn't even was, say mastered. I would say harnessed. Well, yeah. But, and it wasn't like anything. There are, there are it was, plenty
2: of other movies that have done it way better. I would not say that they mastered it, but I would say that they did well enough to get the point across that they were hoping to get across.
3: Well, and, yeah, and they, you know, going back to Gilligan's Island and whatever, like, they did these things where you could have the same actor in one shot doing two different roles, and I think it was just solely, like, the camera couldn't be in motion or something like that. It wasn't until, like, years and years Mm -hmm. later where you had scenes where you could have a camera in motion with two different people, and now you have... A most recent example is uh i think it's living with myself with paul rudd it's like a netflix movie where he's oh, yeah. against living oh yeah living with
2: yourself yes yeah
3: which is really he's, good
2: he's talking to himself i've seen several episodes i think i watched that first season like he'll have entire conversations with himself he'll be riding in the car with himself like it's crazy good that's a really good example that i that i had almost forgotten but
3: yeah yeah and then and then you have you know Plenty of other examples. I mean, Star Wars, you know, you have Timor Morrison playing literally all the clones yep. in Star Wars. Yep. And, That's you know, n- and he never wore a Stormtrooper suit ever. It was all CGI. So they were replicating him and creating all of his costumes, which was just amazing. And, you Man. Know, that, that that shows how far technology had come. But yeah, you know, you go back to, you know, I remember, you know, John Denver, um, Bob Denver different different Denver um <laughs> who played Gilligan you know playing against himself literally in those scenes in Gilligan's Island um, Well they they
2: they did it they did it with Bob Denver and they did it with Tina Charles too. Mm yeah. There there was there was an episode where this this woman who looked almost identical to uh, not Tina Charles Tina Louise Me? Tina Louise What what was Ginger Grant's name? What was what was her G- I think it was Tina it was I think it was Tina Louise. I should know it, but I don't oh well, but it was it was it was Ginger's character
3: and I, I, that show I love the fact that it like it's just that show was so ridiculous, like this movie where it's just random coincidence. someone shows up on the island just happens to look like Gilligan or happens to look like Ginger and it's a whole thing it's a whole mix up well and then, the, uh,
2: the, 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 the one where he just happens to look like Gilligan. He had plastic surgery and was a Russian infiltrator to find out what the Americans were doing on this abandoned island. I
3: forgot about that. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing, and th- and then there's the episode it's not equivalent to this, but like I remember the one where they all get taken off the island and get put in a dungeon, and then they're they swap their brains. To where- yes. Where <laughs> they're With, all like, you know, Marianne is talking like the professor, and like they they dub their voices. It's just insane. And um, who was it, Doctor Boris Balinkov? That's the yeah. one who the who the
2: professor was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, takes them to like this castle on a little rock island or something, and yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, I. Man. I I remember I remember how bad the lip syncing was. (laughs) It was it was so unsequenced, but it was so fun to think about. Like all you do is get in the box and your brain gets zapped and all of a sudden like you're somebody else. (laughs) Like it was crazy. That was a crazy show. And we probably need to do like a Gilligan's Island review at some point.
3: (laughs) I would love that.
2: I would love a trip down memory lane going back through uh, basically one of the most syndicated programs in television history. Yeah. And
3: only ran for three seasons.
2: Yep. Yeah. Insane, but such yeah. a classic. Yep. Yeah. Did you know that that inspired the TV show Lost? I doesn't surprise me. Basically, Lost is a is a modern dramatized version of Gilligan's Island.
3: It's the gritty reboot of Basically, Gilligan's Island.
2: It's the gritty soft reboot of Gilligan's Island. If like, if
3: uh, if Gilligan's Island had ran for four or five seasons, there would have been a smoke monster and polar bears and stuff and time travel. I'm oh, sure. I'm
2: sure. I'm sure time travel would have been would have been made at some point. Did you ever hear how the series ended?
3: With Gilligan's Island. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw the ending.
2: So they made a movie. And the entire gang gets rescued. They they end up going back home. And nobody gets to... Nobody fits back into society. Nobody acclimates back to the way of living. Like, the skipper can't get any work because he lost a ship at sea. So nobody wants to hire him as a ship's captain. Hmm. And... Ginger ends up going back to Hollywood and finds out that everything is about sex and she doesn't want to actually have sex scenes. She just wants to look sexy. What? So she like draw that's where she draws the line like she refuses to actually get naked in Hollywood or something like that. And uh, the Howells, the rich people, the millionaires, they get back into town and the Wolf of Wall Street doesn't have the, the business acumen anymore like he doesn't fit in nobody's fitting in i don't think the i don't think the professor is welcome back to his school or something like that like they found somebody else and replaced him or or something like that because they thought he was dead you know and so like basically everybody is having trouble getting back into the swing of things and they decide to all meet up to talk about their problems and they're like hey how about we go on a boat ride and I I can't remember exactly how it ends, but they either decide on their own to go back to the island or they're on the boat ride and another storm comes up and they get shipwrecked again on the same island.
3: Oh, my God. I had
2: no idea that's how it ended. It's, it's one of those two. I forget exactly how it goes. But, yeah, they basically – the series ends with them ending up back on the island that they had been on before and deciding to just stay there because they don't fit
3: in in the real world anymore. They were destined to be there. It was it was their destiny. I mean and and like what's the big thing with Lost? We've got to go back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I told you. It's, it's
2: all, it's, it's, it's it's all makes it it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Oh, oh my god. Okay, I guess we got to go back to Superman 3 for a little bit. I, I um, guess.
3: I was having fun there. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, really. I was having more fun talking about Gilligan's Island than I was about Superman 3. Um, so Gus decides that if he's going to do this oil plan, you know, uh, what? what's his name, finally has the, the coffee industry. Ross Webster has the coffee industry, and now he's going for the oil industry. And the only way that Gus is going to help him corner the market on oil is by getting his own supercomputer. And I, I can't help but wonder how much RAM that computer had because it literally took up an entire cave. Yes, I
3: know. In like, the Grand Canyon. Not just in, any cave, in the Grand Canyon.
2: Right, right. They had to go into a cave in another state, in another part of the country to create this supercomputer for him. And mind you, this is in the nineteen eighties. And so, you know, not not too much before that, they had been sending people to the moon and stuff. And I, I've seen images on Facebook, fun facts on Facebook, that say the processing power that we have in our cell phones is stronger than the processors on the computers that put people on the moon. Wow. So I'm thinking that machine probably had like 500 megabytes of ram like random active memory like uh, the computers that we use now like the laptops that we're having that we're having this podcast on right now have usually somewhere in the range from 2 to 6 gigabytes of ram right the active memory processing that's going on behind the scenes and you're you're building a supercomputer in the 80s like I, I can't imagine all of the money and the energy and the effort that went into building this supercomputer. And it might have been quote unquote state of the art at the time, but this is another element that did not age well because it's probably only 500 megabytes of Ram. Like it really isn't all that when we're thinking about it in 2020. And so yeah. it, it's just, uh, I don't
3: know it's, yeah, this movie does not age well for many, many, many reasons, um, but uh, and that being one of them, and the the whole computer sequence, like, at the end, when, like I, I, I was you know, at that point, you're kind of, like, used to the movie, like, okay, this movie is nuts, you know, it's going places that I just don't want to go in, and didn't expect, and then the woman gets sucked into the computer, and becomes, like, this cyborg, and I was like, what the hell just happened? What am I watching? Okay, for a little bit there I I was upset by that.
2: But then at the same time I was looking at that going, this is the best part of the movie. It just <laughs> really? got it just got super dark. Like all of a sudden uh Vera, I think her name was, Ross's right. sister, all of a sudden she's gone from being a henchman to being the computer personified like you are you are giving it drive and will and ambition and a soul like it's consuming her and it's going to be like one of those hive mind kind of things where i am the computer the computer is me i've got the processing power of the computer and the computer has my emotions like the computer's evolving it's growing it's living and then, like five minutes later, they get her out of it, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, crap!"
3: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, surprised the, too. The one
2: thing that was promising about this movie, and you like retcon it within the movie in about five minutes.
3: Yeah, like they destroy the computer. He puts acid in the computer in the computer that bubbles up for some reason, and then it destroys okay. the computer. Did you, you remember where that acid came from, though? Right. Uh, no. Okay, that acid.
2: Is the same acid that he was trying to protect in the chemical fire on his way to Smallville earlier in the movie.
3: Okay, how did he end up with it? He flew. Okay. <laughs> I completely missed that. <laughs> Even I totally in, I totally wasn't checking my phone in that scene. Even in my drunken stupor,
2: I I was able to catch that. That was the one piece of clever storytelling where they made it like circular where it all made sense because at the time, that that chemical fire made no sense whatsoever. Like, why is this happening? How is this happening? Why am I watching this? And then you have the fight against the supercomputer. And it's supposed to be able to anticipate and react to all of your moves and have chest-like counter moves and whatever, but it didn't have enough information on that particular acid. But it's something that Superman learned when he was helping put out the fire was that if that particular acid that that one scientist who wouldn't leave, if that acid ended up overheating, if it got too hot, then it would create like an apocalyptic cloud that would take out half of the county or something like that. Right, And so he goes out to the lake and freezes a bunch of it and then tosses it over the fire and it turns into rain somehow, which I still don't get, but it preserves the acid. So when he's fighting the computer, I guess in the middle of that big fight, he flies all the way from the Grand Canyon to nowhere, Kansas, picks up a can of that acid and takes it back to the fray so that when the computer ends up going on the fritz it's going to overheat it overheats the acid and it creates a like a fire or an explosion that destroys the computer but again again such a a drawn out and convoluted plot that it's hard to enjoy it like it's just all maybe the in the 80s that was mind-blowing but to me i'm just like oh well, that explains the chemical fire earlier. Doesn't explain <laughs> this dumpster fire of a movie, but okay.
3: Yeah, and even, even the explanations are like, yeah, you, you, you didn't need that. It was completely uncalled for, but it happened, and I'm watching it, it was, for some reason. It was unnecessary. It was unnecessary.
2: That's the problem. So here's here's another one that uh, – another uh, technological aspect that I was thinking that I was about earlier – Um, I went and found a scene from friends. Uh, Early in the series, Chandler, the character I relate to the most, he uh, is showing off his new laptop to his friends. And he's like, check out this bad boy. 12 megabytes of RAM, 500 megabyte hard drive, built-in spreadsheet capabilities, and a modem that transmits at over 28,000 (laughs) BPS. And that's like the early 90s. Oh my gosh. So that's like after this movie. So if he's like super impressed about all of that capability on his laptop, it's not entirely far-fetched to think that that's a little bit around or not much worse than what we've got on this supercomputer that is is trying to take over the world.
3: <laughs> yep, didn't take much.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, so Superman tries to stop this supercomputer and it basically turns into a video game, doesn't it? Essentially. Yes. Like, like for a minute here for, for, for a hot minute, you have got Ross Webster. You've got Ross Webster shooting rockets at Superman using a video game
3: controller slash joystick, trying to fend him off. I, I love, I love that it's like a just like totally video game graphics, like Super Mario or something.
2: Yes, but it's it's like a graphic of Superman coming at you, and I'm just like, um, what?
3: <laughs> yeah, what? 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 That's what? that's just you le- you're left going through this entire movie. What? What? You just, what? You're just, you're just going. What? What? Are you kidding it's me? But I, I do think that
2: it's kind of cool. And and, and I, I guess this is like a redeeming quality, maybe not the redeeming quality, but for all of the crappy stuff that Gus did, the the overtaking, the, the, the embezzlement, and then the overtaking of the Vulcan satellite for Webster, and then the delivering the fake kryptonite to Superman to try and kill him... Like for all of the stuff that that Gus does when he realizes that the kryptonite ray is doing something to potentially kill Superman, he hits a breaking point and he's like that's it, I'm done. And at the expense of his supercomputer, he tries to stop it and tries to save Superman.
3: Yeah, that's definitely his his redemption happens in that scene, which I which I liked. I think it was it was done. I'm not sure it was. It was well done. done. It wasn't well done, but it was done. It happened so, after Superman saves the day and he
2: pulls Gus out from the rubble. They lock arms like a couple of black dudes, and he says, "Thanks,
3: brother." <laughs> it's official. Uh, Superman is an adopted black man now. Yep, yeah, and he's part of it.
2: Oh man. Okay, while we're on the topic of Richard Pryor, can we just talk for a minute? About how while he was in Smallville, he decided he needed to dress up like a black Colonel Sanders.
3: I noticed that. Like what?
2: The costuming was just Ugh. <laughs> like I wouldn't be caught dead in that suit. And that's the that's the suit that he wants to use to fit in. Like, dude, you stick out like a sore thumb. What are you doing? Yeah,
3: that's (laughs) so funny.
2: I don't get it. I don't. I don't get
3: it. Neither do I. This whole movie, I don't get it. I'm just left wondering. I I don't get it.
2: Well, okay. Let's take a short break then. And when we come back, we will try and say something good about this movie before going into our final thoughts. We're going to go to commercial for just a little bit. And then we're going to have one of the toughest challenges That we've probably had on this show in the last year, when the IPC podcast continues. Don't go anywhere.
4: This is IPC. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this.
2: Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast it's called the star wars underworld about all things star wars we talk star wars the clone wars star wars the force awakens star wars the last jedi rogue one a star wars story and so much more i it with my friends chris and
3: dominic who are here to tell y'all all about it hello chris hello ben i'm so excited to talk about star wars this week it's fun it's funny we're gonna have a great time Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by
2: searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Uh, before we get back into our discussion a reminder to go follow us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and go find us on our personal social media platforms as well. Zach ZAC underscore DFW and Ben Hart with no E spell that out phonetically on whatever social media platform that you use. You'll be able to find us there. Wherever you listen, please give a rate and review. Please do not rate this episode based on the movie that we talked about. We're doing our we're doing our best, but oh my gosh, it is tough to talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I probably should have given a disclaimer off the top to say yeah, uh, this is probably not a good starter episode for you guys. We've had better podcast episodes, and we've certainly talked about better movies on this show before. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, don't don't judge us by this, please. Well, I mean. It's it's nice to know that we are this diverse,
2: that we're willing to watch movies that are crap movies, as well as movies that are epic and Academy Award winners.
3: I almost appreciate this movie just for the fact of how bad it is and how the fact that there is no denying it how terrible it is. You know, it's almost frustrating when certain films are just okay. Or they're just like... They have some good stuff and they have some bad stuff, and then you don't know quite how to feel about them. There's no denying this one. There's no, there's no middle ground on this one. It's terrible. It's absolutely the one of the worst things I've ever seen, and there's, there's no way of putting it any other way. And guess what? They made another one after this one. That's the biggest thing. Like what, what the heck made him make this one? What the heck made them make another one that? I've been told is even worse. So I'm just, I'm beyond intrigued. Uh, I don't know if
2: I'm beyond intrigued and I'm also not sure I'm going to pay for this one. I may have to Jack Sparrow Superman four. Cause I feel like I lost three and a half bucks trying to rent this piece of shite.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I went full Jack Sparrow with this one. Oh, I mean, they ain't get my money. They ain't get my money.
2: Oh man. I don't think Amazon's going to get my money for the next one. I'm just putting that out there. But let's try and say something good about this movie to close out the night. What was something that you found to be somewhat redeeming, if anything?
3: It's I don't know. Um, the scenery was nice. It was interesting to have something happening in the Grand Canyon and the Statue of Liberty versus just a city street. Um, no, well, I'm and, be, I'm... <laughs> and they
2: they also went to Smallville, so there
3: were. More
2: diverse locations in this movie,
3: yes. I think, legitimately think, speaking here, I think there is there's stuff in here that I think there's a good movie hidden in this movie. I think having Clark kind of go back for a class reunion, I think that stuff is pretty solid. Like you know, I think him, you know, being considering what happened in the last movie despite what I may think about, like, him falling out with Lois Lane, like, what's happened happens, and I think it's nice to see him kind of move on. And like I said, I do like Lana. I like that whole dynamic, and I like that she's, like, a really good person, and she's, you know, she's she's enjoyable to be around, and I think Clark appreciates her, and, you know, the fact that she ends up in there, and, uh, oh, you got, we got your replacement, Lois. <laughs> Like, they're being a little too meta with this. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed Lana way more than Lois. I'm sorry. And she was a part of it that I think is actually decent. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. Man.
2: I... It's daunting, isn't it? It's, it's really tough. It's really, really tough. Um... I... I... Pfft the olympic scene that that got me it's it's good it's everything that that is
3: genuinely like fantastic the other stuff is just is just crap i had to drink to enjoy it oh by the way guys listen all the way to the end of this episode i'm not gonna say anything else i'm just gonna say don't turn it off when you hear the music keep listening oh oh no
2: (laughs) yeah that's 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 gonna be three minutes of your time that you're not gonna be wasting. I can promise <laughs> you that. I I I sent Ben a message as soon as I finished, and apparently, the, it's gonna it was, end up in the show.
3: It was better than the movie. I enjoyed that more than the movie. <laughs> you enjoyed my three minute drunken recap more than you enjoyed. Dude, the movie. It's just like you'll hear it. It's just like long periods of like. Oh my God! What did I just watch? <laughs> what was that?
2: Yep, I was, <laughs> I was, I was not one hundred percent last night after that movie, and I went right to bed to try and sleep it off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Probably the best
2: idea. Uh, but yeah, I mean, okay, I I will say, I will say that I didn't think Robert Vaughn as Ross Webster was a terrible character. He's yeah, he's
3: probably he's a good actor.
2: Like you can tell He's no Lex Luthor, but you can tell that Webster is very capitalistic, very selfish, very rich, very greedy. He is a type of character that we can still kind of hate today. We we don't really care we what's weird is we enjoy the hustle but we don't enjoy Other people who have already done the hustling and have themselves as, you know, captains of industry or whatever. But I'm not I'm not going to get political here, but it's it's a story that we still relate to. We don't like seeing people that are so rich. They never wear the same pair of
3: socks twice. They're 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 easy bad guys. Rich yeah. people are just easy bad guys. You can yeah. make someone hate someone that's rich pretty easily because, yeah. you know, and it's it's unfair, but it's also kind of accurate too. So I'm I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. But yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so yeah, we're we're kind of towing
2: the line just a little bit here. But I mean, Webster is a, is a character that he's he he never wants to do the dirty work himself. He's always trying to get Gus to do it. Mm-hmm. and i know a lot i know of a lot of people that are like that um and he's very opportunistic he wants to take advantage of these opportunities to gain monopolies on different markets and different industries and he manipulates people into getting his way or as best he can to be manipulating people and so he he has a couple of of different sequences where he's talking about You know, trying to find ways to get rid of Superman or trying to find ways to climb even higher up on the ladder than he already is. And he's 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 an interesting he's an interesting character. And then Pamela Stevenson, as I mentioned earlier, Lorelai, she's reading a psychology book at one point. She understands what's going on with the computer during the final fight sequence. Like she uses some very technical lingo talking about the overload that's happening on the main drive or something like that. Like she's recognizing what it is that's going on. She's a lot more aware than she lets on. She's just got a lot of really good looks for that era for that time and is expected to be more of a sex symbol. And so, yes, she uses that sex appeal when she's on the statue of Liberty, but she's also analyzing people. And she's also trying to, uh, you know, solve some of the problems like she was at the at the supercomputer. And then she was the one who brought up creating Kryptonite. She was the one who talked about the Kryptonite when they were trying to figure out what Superman's weakness was. So she, she had some depth to her character that just wasn't uh, expanded upon enough mm-hmm. there there was some depth there but they they gave her like token depth to make her seem more interesting than just a ditzy blonde but if they had actually done something with her character she could have turned into something she wasn't she was a good placeholder but she could have been so much more and so i guess i liked the potential of lorelei's character even if it didn't really pan out
3: yeah to be honest i thought she was really annoying <laughs>
2: And, and see, that's that's the thing, is it's not like there's a universal redeemable standard from this movie. There, there, there's not one element in here that, we're, that we can look at and be like, yeah, that's a redeeming quality. The, yeah. the, the film score was forgettable. The costuming was questionable at best. The plot was all over the place. The acting was either overdone or underdone, depending on who you're talking about. Christopher Reeve tried his best with what he had, but it wasn't the best. Richard Pryor only did it because he got paid $5 million to do it. Like, there's just, it's not like there's even one particular character that you can look at and be like, yeah, that was my favorite character. And everybody would be able to agree with you. Because I think from what I've understood, your favorite character in this was Lana, and mine might have been like, Webster or Lorelei or maybe Gus, but like there's there's just not a whole lot about this movie that we can really agree on, except that it is crap.
3: <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta accept it the the way things are, and uh that's how it is, folks.
2: <laughs> that's that's how it is. So what's what's your planet score for this crap fest then, bud?
3: Oh my god, where do I how do I how do I do this? How? I'm gonna go 1.5 out of 10. Oh really? Yeah, okay. I'm going that low. I'm going that low. Wow. This is, this Damn, is, dude. Uh, Damn. I, I am I'm going full savage mode on this one. Damn. Wow. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm. Can I give it a zero? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're going to go lower than me, but apparently no. you are.
2: No, no, no. No, my my initial take was a 4. My initial take was a 4, but given given the fact that I have actually called Zombies a better movie than this and and given the fact that I really don't know what kind of things I could praise about this movie to actually warrant a 4 out of 10 I'm probably going to have to go lower but I don't know how low that's the problem I think I think I'll go with a 2.5 no no I take that back I'm going to give it a 3 because if we end up watching the other two Batman films the Val Kilner and the George Clooney Batman films I'm going to have to rate them lower than this Uh,
3: okay so
2: my bar has to be kind of eh, in order for it to go (whistles) when we watch those
3: movies i hear you there we'll see we'll see how my opinion i don't know maybe i'll end up loving this movie after i've uh, seen other films
2: compared compared to the two batman films this one's an academy award winner
3: oh gosh oh my
2: gosh they are they are scary
3: they are scary
2: speaking of academy awards We actually talked about the Academy Awards on a brand new extension program of ours. Oh, yeah, we did. We finally, finally, and when I say finally, I cannot emphasize enough, finally ended up on YouTube. It has has been long overdue. People have been asking us for probably three years now at least, are you on YouTube? Are you on YouTube? Are you on YouTube? No, but we're on all these other platforms. But are you on YouTube? Ah." The problem is putting like a two-hour podcast on YouTube, uh, it just, it doesn't work. It really doesn't. And it's really complicated to put all that together anyways. And it's just not worth it. So what we've done is we've created an extension program called IPCNN, which is IPC News Now. And anytime there's some kind of pop culture news, updates, uh, stuff kind of along the lines of like the Stranger Things news, and there's enough of it that we can put it all together into one mini-sode, then we're going to get together and record and talk about it and put that news function up on the YouTube channel. We may do mini-reviews of something, we may do rapid reactions of something, we may put Some other stuff on there eventually. But for starters, we're just going to put IPCNN. And, you know, you can listen to it there. And we're also going to be redirecting people over to this podcast because there's a chance there may not be much of a crossover. And so we'll give people an opportunity to uh, keep up with what's going on in the pop culture news on YouTube. And then it'll give us more time to talk about crap fests like this. (laughs) on the longer program so i'm excited to see where it goes
3: yeah exactly and you know it's it's just it's just we have so little time here normally speaking on friday nights to do this show and then we have you know normally speaking a big topic to talk about we want to give that as much time as possible we don't get a lot of time for the news and some things deserve a lot of time i think the oscars was one of those things and we did right a really good job with that, I think. I think you guys will enjoy that. And I know some of you guys listen to podcasts on YouTube or just watch them as you do. And so that's there for you. And we had a great little discussion about all the Oscar nominees and the winners. And it was great. So definitely go check that out when you have time. And get a little, little more of us on the side in addition to each episode
2: yes sir so that's that's something to be on the lookout for Uh, maybe go subscribe to us and and find that uh, that page so that uh, you're getting alerts every time a new episode of IPCNN you get the pun there IPCNN Uh, every time
3: CNN is going to sue us now you do realize that right
2: yeah probably probably because we're that big um But, yeah, be on the lookout for new episodes of that and go have a listen to our Oscars rapid reactions five days late. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On to the quote of the night, and I really don't know what's quotable in this movie, so I'm just going to kind of leave it up to you, Ben. What have you got for me?
3: Well, I think one scene that stood out to me as, again, maybe not good, but it's a scene (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's listenable, and I I genuinely think Richard Pryor was trying in the scene in regards to you know doing it right. And it's the scene where he's kind of just riffing and just going off on a tangent about his experience with Superman when he goes up to the 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 there's apparently there's a ski slope on this guy's roof in the middle of a city apparently, and there's fake snow. I, I don't know, like it's just it's ridiculous. But I love Richard Pryor coming up there, and then he's, he, he puts on skis and all this kind of stuff. and He's just doing this whole bit where he's talking about Superman. So kind of funny. And, yeah, go ahead and listen to tonight's Quote of the Night.
1: You didn't see the man come flying out of the sky from the clouds. It was him with his cape flapping in the <laughs> – This cake was flapping in the wind. He was flying. He was great. He was just flying around. The cake was blowing in the wind like this. It looked like a flight. And he landed right in the middle of this big plantation. And he checked everything out right, with his X-ray vision before he did that. And then he put these laser beams out of his eyes onto everything. Dried up everything. Just like that! I'm talking about drying it up like the machines that they have in the men's rooms. You know what I'm talking about? The hot air comes out, and you put your hands under there, and you dry them off. Sometimes they don't work, right? But Superman's worked, and you think he stood around to take balls? Not this man. No, sir. He flies off again, right? Then he saw what really caused the trouble, right? He flew into the tornado, went down to the bottom of the tornado, and turned it upside down! He made the little end on top, and the big end on the bottom! Oh, I was gonna go crazy! I never seen like it! The big end was on the bottom, the little end on the top. the Ross, it was the, the big. <laughs> Superman's bad.
0: I'll say he was.
1: I mean, he was bad.
0: No. No! No! Oh, 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 here, let me... Perfect. It was a perfect plan.
1: It was foolproof. And we were the fools. It's not my fault. I did what I was supposed to do. You can't blame me. He that's ruined what it. Do. Every time they make a mistake... A lousy do-gooder ruin it. it. Just like now that he's pulled off this stunt,
0: he'll try and stick his nose into my oil scheme and ruin that too.
1: Who's the teacher sent to the principal's office?
0: I've got to get rid of him. But how? Shoot him? You know about him and bullets. Kryptonite. What?
4: Or Krypton Ham, or Kryptonheimer? I don't know what you call it, but there's this stuff that can, like, hurt Superman. How would you know about that? Oh, I know a few things.
0: So I understand from the graffiti I've seen. Wait a second. She's right. Kryptonite. I remember reading about it
1: in an interview with him. But well, Where did it come from? The same planet that Superman came from, Krypton.
3: Where is Krypton?
1: It's nowhere. It blew up in space many years ago. They sent Superman here from there when he was just a baby. Right. See, I know some things, too. Wait
0: a minute. Now, you know what happens when a planet explodes? Debris. Things floating in space. So? So, all we have to do is find out where in heaven Krypton used to be. Then we just get good old Gus to contact the Vulcan satellite.
1: Uh, old Gus has been doing some thinking. Good. That's why I keep you around. Yeah, I've been thinking that I'm not making enough money for this gig. Gus, if there's anything I hate, it's greed greed mr roth just a minute let me tell you something i can't ski
2: okay well that was a quote it, it was it was a quote
3: it was a quote we
2: fu- we fulfilled our obligation to give you all a quote of the night you are welcome good night <laughs> <laughs> no we still have one more segment to do and this one's far more enjoyable than trying to come up with some kind of a quote from this film uh it's time for a uh a food related topic that is being discussed at almost eleven thirty p.m local time so this should be interesting but ladies and gentlemen it's time to get out your hashtags again and put them in the chat if you're listening live i know at least two or three of you are listening live right now um that's a really low number, by the way. Two or three people listening live. I guess we I are
3: doing we are doing this really later than that's... normally. Yeah, that's so, uh, we that is are, true. So, uh... I'm, I'm George. Is... George is hanging in there with us. He hey, does he George. Does
2: what's up, George? Shout out to George. Yeah. Oh, he's... and a shout out to our patrons. I almost forgot to do that earlier in the show. We're supposed to do uh-huh. that after our commercial break, but <laughs> I forgot to do that. I went straight into the social media bit and forgot to talk about our patrons. So thank you to Joey Mace, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker and Carrie Fleming. You guys are awesome, and I was so befuddled by this turd of a movie that I almost forgot to thank <laughs> you guys for helping present this podcast. But we could not do what we do without you. So thank you for being a patron. if you want to be a patron yourself, then go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com. There's a patron button available there, and you can, uh, you can have... Uh, A little example of some of the different Potential opportunities you've got To partner with us here at IPC But Now it's time To get out the hashtags Put them on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest And anything else in between Because it's time For hashtag BBQ Watch Barbecue Barbecue
0: Barbecue Barbecue Barbecue
2: Barbecue! Barbecue
0: Barbecue it. Barbecue it. Barbecue it. Barbecue 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 sauce. Barbecue sauce. Bar-Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue.
2: Barbecue. Barbecue. Watch. Okay, so this one is all you, Ben. You, you actually went to something that sounds amazing it sounds like comic-con for food and <laughs> it is actually i i'm really curious how this went because you've been to one before you say this is round two so i'm really curious how uh how all of this went for you
3: well yeah so i actually this is the second time i've talked about it on this show which is something that i, I know Food show may be a foreman term to some of you. maybe may even you, Zach, but it's something that I'm familiar with being someone who is really just raised up in the barbecue business and in restaurants in general. And there are occasionally some companies, specifically Cisco, which is our food supplier, um, which also happens to be, I think, the largest food supplier in the world, or at least they used to be. Um, so you've... Even if you've never heard of Cisco, you've eaten their food because they're literally everywhere. Um, So, Cisco puts on these events every once in a while. They'll do them anywhere and everywhere, and basically, you know, they take over, like, a convention center or whatever. You know, it's not huge like, say, a Comic-Con or Star Wars Celebration, but it's a pretty big event, and they go in, there's booths set up inside this room, and it's basically different suppliers, and you'll have everyone from people that sell desserts to people that sell steaks and seafood and drinks and sweet tea and styrofoam cups and, you know, uh, you know dispensers for knives and forks, like everything you could possibly imagine, everything you think of to do with food and food service it's at this place. And the whole objective is wander around and eat. That's the thing you do. Crazy. And literally, it's a thing where we get invited to these things, and we've been take family members now and you just go and you just eat and you go hungry and you leave full and it's all free and it's amazing so you just wander around to anything and over here there's steaks over here they're they're serving chocolate chip cookies over here they're serving jambalaya like and this you know cisco is out of new orleans so there's a lot of cajun stuff there's a lot of different foods but what i want to talk about really quick is what i actually ate at this thing, um, because I kind of made a note of a lot of things that I ate, and, I don't know, might be interesting to you guys, I don't know if it is, it's kind of fascinating to me, and I wanted to share it. Um, real quick, so I'll just run it down, and then it, stop me if you hear anything that, that it, it sounds interesting. But, uh, first thing was, chicken twists with pretzel breading. What? Yeah, so it's like, these mini chicken fingers that are like really like thinly cut and apparently they've got pretzel-esque breading on them weird but good so that was a thing um I had some I had a good hamburger actually really good ham cheeseburger actually um steak was great as I mentioned they had chicken alfredo they had a uh, mini chocolate chip bunk cake. And I should say a lot of this stuff is in order, so I'm like going back and forth between the dessert and like regular food and then breakfast food as was with the next thing. Sausage, egg, and cheese waffle. So oh,
2: Wait, so was that on the waffle or in the waffle?
3: So picture this, basically a waffle with sausage, egg, and cheese stuffed into it.
2: So, like, stuffed into the crevices of the waffle that you're eating?
3: Right. It's so like a waffle sandwich, if you may.
2: Was it one sandwich? Was it, was, it, was it one, like, waffle kind of folded over itself taco style? Or was it two waffles, like, mushing like all a, that together? Like
3: a waffle, like a waffle, if they, like, cut a waffle open somehow and stuffed sausage, egg, and cheese into it.
2: In wait, So it's a, like a Belgian waffle, like a big Belgian waffle split down the middle and stuff put inside of it closed back on itself.
3: Right, sausage, egg, and cheese. What? And of course, the waffle has like maple syrup in it somehow. So like you're getting the full effect. Powdered sugar. It's, I didn't taste any powdered sugar, but maybe they put some in there.
2: Oh man, <laughs> a little little powdered sugar and a little little whipped cream.
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. And then up next, uh, uh they had uh, cheddar biscuits with their. Which they said were like red lobster biscuits. Did not taste like red lobster biscuits to uh, me. they are not nearly as good. Bummer. Um, so uh, those didn't get a buy. And see, that's the whole thing. Is like they're selling it to restaurant owners. They're like, hey, try this. And so, and they're always talking to you about, hey, you can market it this way. You can put it in, on your menu and sell it. And you give us money, we'll we'll send you stuff. We'll send you a box of it to try. It's stuff like that. And they're always trying to thing. And some things work. Other things don't. A lot of times you're just trying to get free food and act like you're interested in their product when you're really not. Right. Um, Because that's the way it goes. But uh, a lot of it you are interested in, like, for example, chocolate fudge brownies, (laughs) because that's a thing. Um, Someone would just have, like, you know, things of french fries out there. I'm like, hey, I want fries. Hell yeah. And then there was a gumbo jambalaya mixture. So, like, they had jambalaya and they poured gumbo on top of it. So it created, like, this really weird and amazing uh, concoction. Very southern, very Cajun, if you're familiar with gumbo jambalaya. Goodness. Um, and then they had a meatloaf sandwich, which is, as you can imagine, a giant piece of meatloaf between two pieces of bread. Great stuff. Isn't there bread in meatloaf? I guess so.
2: Like yeah. I thought that was part of like like a stuffing content was part of the meatloaf and that's part of what gave it the loaf type form and you slice that up
3: and you put it between two slices of more bread. Yeah. Oh my. Apparently gosh. apparently that's a thing. So uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Um and then ch- uh, had, had a giant chocolate chip cookie which was great cuz you know it's a freaking chocolate chip cookie. How could you not like it? Mm-hmm. But And then finally, and this is something that I've mentioned this to you previously, and I don't think you approved. I don't think you approved, but I'm saying it right now. I tried Beyond Meat as in the vegan non-meat meat. meat. I tried a hamburger and I tried some sausage. It was not bad at all. Mm. It was pretty good. I'm not – you guys know me – I'm not a vegan. I'm a carnivore through and through. I love my burgers. I love my steaks. But it was pretty good. I'll give them credit. I'll give them credit. They – they if somebody had just given that to me and said, hey, try this hamburger, I'd be like, that was pretty good. It wouldn't have dawned on me that it was made from vegetables.
2: So it, it was vegetable-based. It wasn't bean-based or, or right. jackfruit-based or something like that. Well,
3: yeah, I think the biggest – thing for me is that it, it was the flavor was there like it tasted like beef it tasted like grilled beef but the texture was a bit different like if you looked inside the hamburger you could tell like the whatever made up the burger if you're familiar with like what ground beef looks and feels like mm-hmm. it looked different and felt different in your mouth it tasted the same and i'm a big texture person like i things if texture isn't quite right or if it's not sitting right with me, I don't like it, no matter what the taste is. Yep. But the the texture was different. It wasn't bad, but it was different. I get
2: that. I get that. I, and I would, I, just, love,
3: I would love a Beyond Meat barbecue burger. That's what I want right now.
2: Well, I mean, I just want food because it's late
3: and I'm hungry. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, See, I'm, this is the ultimate torture. Yeah. I keep you late to talk about food. And won't let you leave to go get food. Well, I'm
2: about to leave, anyways. Just because <laughs> uh, I've I've had burgers before that are like black bean burgers rather than rather than meat patties. And you're right the right. texture the texture can be different. Uh, it doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. Um, I, I like to experiment like that. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want it to seem like I'm I'm like completely against that sort of thing, but there are also just some things that I feel like you don't mess with. And I just, I don't, I don't like having a traditional meat patty messed with. Like I enjoy a patty melt from Whataburger. I enjoy a, a bacon burger from Chili's. You know, there are just some places that I, I really like their burgers and to try and go with a vegan option compared to a, a meat option you know I got friends uh, that that may not like me saying this but I really like the meat option and if I have that option between the two that's usually the one I'm gonna take
3: yeah I yeah for me it's like I totally respect and support anyone who goes that lifestyle and go and goes the vegan lifestyle like that's awesome it's it's better for you it's better for the environment but I, I, I I'm not it's not for me it's, it's not just me. not for me But uh, you do you. You do you. I just, I can't, I
2: can't bring myself to do it. I just can't, and I won't. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't have to, I'm not going to.
3: (laughs) This is a barbecue podcast, and there will be real barbecue in this establishment.
2: I'm just, I'm just saying.
3: I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) But I think I'm done saying, I think I've said all that I want to (laughs) say.
3: I think we've said a lot of things tonight, and maybe a little too much. Probably. Um, but uh, it was fun while it lasted. Um, the podcast, not the movie.
2: Not the movie. I'm glad the movie's over. I'm not glad the podcast is over, because it means we have to wait a whole week before we can do it again, but uh, maybe the fourth one will surprise us, or maybe I'll show up to the show drunk, who knows.
3: Yeah, I went I went into this with low expectations, and, and somehow even they weren't exceeded, so now I'm going in with really low expectations for for the quest for peace, and I don't know what to expect.
2: Well, and the ironic thing is, we're called the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. You would think that we'd be more excited about this, but we're not.
3: Maybe it's right up our alley. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's a sleeper. God, hit I for hope us. it's
2: not up our alley. We don't want our show to be like a, a like a simile to that movie. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, the quest for peace. You mean like intergalactic peace? Yeah, that's the same. No, no, it's not.
3: (laughs) But we're going to intergalactic quest for peace, Jelly.
2: Oh no, no, I'm not going there. (laughs) It's too late to talk about the intergalactic peace, Jelly. Oh my gosh." (laughs) Oh, Lord in heaven, I almost forgot all about them. If you want to listen to some great music, go listen to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtleneck and get back to me. <laughs> oh, dear oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Go find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and StarWarsUnderworld.com, and go find us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find our swag at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC Podcast. I think that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. Episode 273 is now officially over. Thank God. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that this didn't drive you away and that you will be convinced to come back next week. But until that episode comes around, we're just going to leave you with this final thought. Sometimes even the smallest doubt can shake the greatest belief. And we believe that we'll see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. that was so bad that was that was just so incredibly bad like some movies are cheesy and some are gimmicky and some are just bad like the plot was just kind of all over the place and the, the people just weren't believable characters. Like, I didn't believe anybody was who they were acting to be. I, nobody. Not even Ricky. Superman, you're just in a slump. What is he, a baseball player? Like, oh my god, that was such a bad movie. Oh, it hurt. Like, Like, it actually hurt. That's the only way I can put it. That was painful to watch. Cringeworthy at many points. Mr. Webster, Gus, Lana. Like, did anybody even care to ask why? Like, just why? Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh, that hurt to watch. Like Oh my. Also, if Clark Kent was such a nobody, why did he have like a 8x10 poster on the wall at his class reunion? Like is it because he moved away and became a reporter in Metropolis? Like all of a sudden he's famous now. He was a water boy in the first movie and now he's got a poster. Nobody knows that he's Superman, so why does he have a poster? Also, Superman saving a little boy from a renegade tractor? That was... not good. Like, most of it was not good. Just... oh... Oh... no... no, 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 not good... Uh, I, I can I can see why they had to pay Richard Pryor five million dollars to do this, because I think that's about the only way I would make this movie too, is if somebody promised me five million dollars at the end of eight months of shooting, uh, or not even that, like it was probably six months. Who knows? But oh my gosh, five million dollars, yeah. I'll do it for 5 million, but that's about it. Oh my gosh. One star, just because I had a few laughs. Ugh.